Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Progressive Britain podcast. This is the podcast with the unpopular opinion that progressive centre-left politics has a lot to offer the modern world. 2017 was quite a year. We're not going to look back over every news story and give you our hot political analysis and what it all means. We want to look back at the progressives who rolled up their sleeves and got stuff done this year. This episode is about looking at achievements and giving us a bit of inspiration to go out there and change things. I'm Connor Pope and I'm joined by Progress Chair Alison McGovern, Director Richard Angel and Deputy Director Stephanie Lloyd. Progressives of the year, I want to do something that millions of people around the country will have done over the past few days. I want to play a quiz. Oh no! <laughs> Every week I ask questions of our listeners to give away prizes, but today I wanted to put my questions to my colleagues here. So listeners can see whether or not the people they listen to every week are actually clever at all. They better not be Joe Oliver questions. Yeah. Oh, no, I, have, I will literally not have a clue. I have come up with all of these questions myself. Oh, dear. I me. have a piece of paper here, which you can hear rustling it, in the background. It, is this going to be scored according to the DeHaan mechanism? Uh, oh, that's a good, a good system for, for counting them. It's going to be first correct answer gets the point. Right, okay. I've only got like six questions. Right. Okay, it's fine. All right. Are we ready? So... How many more votes did Theresa May need to keep her majority? What? So in the, in the smallest Labour majorities yeah. that we won in 2017, right. if you added them all up together, how, how many votes would it have taken to it's turn like those... It's like 2,000 or something, isn't it? Is it? Like 22 in, Kennington, in Kensington. What was, what was Canterbury? Like, that, that was a couple of hundred, wasn't it? If that. Okay, um, uh, four, I'm going to go for 2,000. 2,000 we've got there. I've got like, I've got like 4,000 in my mind. Oh, we're a lot lower than this, guys. I'm going to really? go with 1,000. The correct answer was 401. Wow. 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 Like, I mean, what a lesson of turning up bloody matters in elections. Yeah, like, right. That should be on every post. Oh, this electric commission do all these stupid things about the cost of beer. 400 people swung a whole general election. Amazing. And means that that horrid woman in Northern Ireland actually runs that country. Yeah. <laughs> It's really not very nice, is it? So I, I think no points there. I know Steph got closest, but like, I mean, she was, the, she was, was too, just... too far away. What did the Tory slogan on the wall behind her read by the time Theresa May finished her conference speech? 
Or, oh, by the end, as in what's yeah. the... Yeah, so at the end of the speech, when she gets the, the when standing When there was like, the no F in ovation, future. Um, I'm just going to make the point, this is a very difficult question for the dyslexics in the room. <laughs> <laughs> I am out. You, you can tell me what it says, or you can tell me what letters fell off. Well... N- now more letters fell off after the speech. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I don't, I can't remember. There was the like F and the R. Do, yeah. Do you remember what the slogan was? Something for the future. Hang on. So there's going to be a lot of rustling for yeah. the first few minutes of this. It was a country that works for everyone. Oh right. Was the slogan? So at the it beginning. wasn't for the future. Oh, the you fell. The country, a country for a country that works or everyone, and then Twitter basically wrote like gets it or gets killed or whatever because the choice of me. Yeah. Anyway, we don't know is the honest answer. I think That's it was very close. Um, the E also fell off everyone. So it said a country that works or everyone. Oh. <laughs> but actually, so I was trying to work this out today. So I was looking at the... Twitter was amazing, though. I think it really came into its own on that day. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. But I was, I was looking at the Theresa May speech on YouTube, where obviously the Tory party have put it on. And it's funny because after the F falls off four, they clearly decide we can't like use this shot with the sign falling off so they just use different camera angles for the rest of the speech <laughs> so it's actually really difficult to find out but it's really funny the last 15 minutes of the speech is a really like kind of artistic like side view <laughs> oh, wow. goodness right. me that is a nightmare though mm. i mean i didn't really feel sorry for her because she's theresa may and she's a tory prime minister but it is she's a nightmare it was the closest i think i ever got to feeling sorry i for think her. the amount of things that went wrong for her it was one of those things where you thought her prime ministership has fallen to that bo- point where people now slightly kind of feel sorry for yeah, her because she what? has but to then, do it this is not a good pl- position yeah, to be in but then without going too deep into it like she, she did do it to herself like the mm. way to get consensus in the country wasn't to try and get a massive majority it was to like Listen to people. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, carry carry on with this quiz, Connor. Don't vote full foul of my distraction techniques. <laughs> how many self-described pro-European centrist parties launched this year? And how many can you name? Oh, oh. I just like I I don't know and don't care because the Labour Party is the only one for me. <laughs> <laughs> there was that business guy that tried to set up a centrist party. But didn't he shut it down after like a day? Yeah. I think uh, maybe that and then there was the journalist that was a common reoccurrence <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> but there has been basically a business one which had no politicians involved in it which was a bit of a problem for standing for elections I may have missed that one off my list actually. <laughs> then, then yeah. there was a journalist one which didn't equally go very far because they write about politics rather than do it and then not that the people who are doing it are doing very well right now to be fair but and then there was a third one wasn't there and it was all like what are you doing are you going, okay are you, we're going for three you're going mm. for three any raise on three? No. Five. I counted eight. Wow. Oh, what? So there was Spring the Party, the Democrats, oh, there. Mm. Radicals UK, Wow. Advance. That wasn't a real party, Lord. That was just somebody from The Economist going, <laughs> I would like to do this. But yeah, very good. I heard it was a beginning of a big political movement, Richard. He set up an email address to be first. We could email <laughs> him to be like, join my party. Advance, Renew, New Radicals. The Radical Party. Isn't that a band, the New Radicals? The New Radicals is a band. But yeah. did the Radicals split within weeks? No, I, th- I, think, I think several people just had exactly the same idea, even oh down to gosh. the name. And finally, one simply called the Centrist Party. <laughs> oh my God, that's not inspiring, is it? What do you stand for? Being in the middle of things. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm equidistant to all people. <laughs> how many seats were Labour projected to win in the exit poll? And how many did we eventually win? I don't know. I we was won like 262. At the time. And we were projected to win 260, I think. 
Because the Tories were projected to win two less than they did and they won two more. Mm, no, not quite. Oh, damn it. I was at count. I don't know. I wasn't watching. Yeah, exactly. If you, if you know yeah. the answer to this question, what were you doing? Indeed. I was still not. You were on a train back from Leicester and... West, weren't you? Because we were like, Liz is going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> that deploy the Stephanie. <laughs> we did deploy good. the Stephanie. I did. I'm feeling a lot of uh, agginess towards my quiz. But uh, <laughs> I showed 266 was how many we were projected right, to win right. in the oh, exit right, part. Okay. And we run 262. Okay. Oh. Uh, Fascinating. It is not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who cares? One Like somebody back me. Oh, <laughs> we won Canterbury. Like I don't care what the exit poll says. We won Canterbury. What was the maximum number of jobs simultaneously held by George Osborne this year? Four. No. Five. Like way more than that. No. Um, eight. Eight. Five. Mm, Alison doesn't care. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't care. I mean, BlackRock, Evening Standard. Uh, what else is he doing? Northern Powerhouse, Bobbins. Um, Bobbins. That's a northern word. I, I know. Um, I do not. Uh, what else? What else does he do? I don't know. I think he's like a lecturer at. Uh, oh yes, like he's he university speak, thing. Yeah, he was doing some other. Yeah, what? Come on, what's the answer? <laughs> I, I make that four, but it feels like it's not that. So Alison four, Steph five, Richard eight. Richard gets the points there. It's seven. Oh wow! Um, what were they all? I didn't get any points for my quiz. Oh, no, I forgot to write them down. <laughs> <laughs> you don't I care got, about I, your own quiz very much. I, do got you? The, I got all the centrist parties. Yeah. Um, while out canvassing, Ed Miliband helped one voter with a household chore. What was it? Oh, I know. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, Stephanie went. Did mow the lawn? Wow! Has he ever cut his own lawn? It was the most ridiculous thing. I've no idea whether he's ever cut his own lawn. It just well, clearly, he probably has. Otherwise, how would he know how to do it? Clearly, no one would take a picture of that because that's boring. Whereas helping a voter during an election cut their lawn is is mildly more interesting. Mildly. Oh, Next. sorry. Oh, is, is the quiz that boring? It's not the qu- it wasn't I the am, quiz I had a problem with. I'm, I'm now enjoying the quiz. <laughs> <laughs> what, because you're winning? Yeah. We, okay, right, we, come on, let's get this we've over got, with. We've got two questions come left. On. Let's get this over with. Yeah. Grief. On more than one occasion during the election, ex-UKIP leader Paul Nuttall called other female politicians by the same wrong name. According to Nuttall, what are all women called? It, was this this year? Didn't didn't Paul at all? Was he still around this year? It's been a long so, year, yeah, yeah. Alison. Has it's it? A really yeah. long year. When was it? When was he leader? I think he election. He yeah. did the election, then resigned. Really? Yeah. Mm. He did stayed well. up because he stuck on after Stoke, didn't he? Oh yes. Yeah. Now it's all coming painfully back to me. Um, he called, he said all women are called what? No, he um, just referred to two women as yeah. He kept referring. Was he wasn't? It was Philip Hammond, wasn't it? Who kept mistaking Rachel Reeves and Liz Kendall. Uh, yes, I think so. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. Don't know. One of your colleagues did that to you and Liz at one of our events this year, and your face was a picture. <laughs> what is it? it happens all the time. Not me and Liz normally, but like me and anyone else with red hair. But this wasn't even the so room. Like, he just basically was like, and as Liz said, it was like, there are more than one to <laughs> left women like, like, for a picture. Like, like, like literally, you know, if I'm in the same room as like Angela Rayner or like Kirsty McNeil, who people might, you know, used to work for Gordon, mm. also got red hair. Like literally, like <laughs> any other woman with red hair. Lou Haig from Sheffield. It's like, just we're all the same. Yeah, amazing. Anyway, Natalie was the name that he kept calling. Famously, Leanne Wood. Oh, oh yeah. yes, yeah, yeah, that's right. Like he he rebuked her during one of the um, 
televised debates. That's right. Did he really say... I'm not Natalie. Did he really say all women are called Natalie? No, no, that was me exaggerating for comic effect. Oh, right, sorry. Um, Finally. Wasn't that funny? Finally. What what is the name of the current UKIP leader? Oh, my... Oh. Well, isn't this a nice thing not to know? Um, It's not the one called Anne-Marie something... No, she lost. Because everyone Morrissey's favourite. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Morrissey's favourite is She used to be in the Labour Party. Really? Yeah. Anne-Marie wow. Walter, she's an absolutely appalling woman. Yeah. And she used to be in the Labour Party. And she, oh, but thank goodness she's not anymore. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I don't know. We don't know. I don't know and I really Which I think is a care. really good state of affairs yeah, that exactly. we don't have to thank know you. that. Yeah. In that case... I'm just not going to tell you. Okay, fine. <laughs> Can't do that. Listeners can, listeners? listeners can like tweet at us. No, don't. Why don't, okay. their, why don't their name? We don't, we don't know and we really don't out. care. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Maybe good. we should just all start a blackout of their yeah. name. Just like, just don't like, ever mention. Don't exist. Yeah. yeah. Who even cares? You what? Yeah. Anyway, I think... Who are you? I think Richard yeah. narrowly won that quiz with a wonderful two, two right points. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure that's true. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Shall we move on to our progressives yes, of the year? On. Alison, would you like to start us off with one of yours? We'll all have a few, but you kick us again. So one of my progressives of the year has to be Stella Creasy. Now, Stella would be somebody who I think has probably shown that generally through opposition, you can make a lot of difference. We'd all love a Labour government, but she's like never given up that you can change things from opposition And in particular, I just wanted to talk about her campaign for people from Northern Ireland to be able to access a termination in the UK. Because I think that, like, not many people, it turns out we have learnt from Brexit, not many people think that clearly about the situation in Northern Ireland on a range of fronts. But I don't think that many people would realise that the situation for women and their reproductive healthcare rights is very different in Northern Ireland to the rest of of Great Britain. And that is obviously like deeply, deeply unfair. And so Stella joined forces with a range of feminist campaigners and put an incredible amount of pressure on the government for them to 
for them to fund women from Northern Ireland to be able to access terminations through the NHS. So currently they have to pay for them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she got it changed? Well, so well no, I think it's in force now. So, and she got it changed because... Because basically, because there isn't like a, a funding mechanism in Northern Ireland, people were basically travelling and then having to pay. Yeah. So the government had to create a special funding mechanism. Now, frankly, I don't think it's right that women's rights in Northern Ireland are different from the rest of the country. Yeah. However, you know, being a pragmatist, I accept that there are special circumstances in Northern Ireland and I'm not from Northern Ireland and it's, you know, it ought to be a campaign that is led by women in Northern Ireland that changes it. But whilst we're in this situation, you know, I think what Stella did was demonstrate an amazing kind of solidarity. People do things for, for a, lot of, a lot of different reasons, but quite honestly, most often when we do stuff in politics, we're thinking of our constituents because they mm. are like our boss, right? So, so that's only right. But I think Stella really mobilised and motivated a lot of women wherever they are in the United Kingdom, to show a bit of solidarity with women in Northern Ireland. And she forced the government to change their mind again. Like, to any campaigning charities out there, you know, Mm. if you really want to know how to change the government mind on something, you could do worse than ask Stella Creasy, because she is, like, the PLP expert on it. Steph, you've got something quite similar to that as well, haven't you? I have, yeah. So uh, Ealing Council this year voted to take action to prevent campaigners approaching people as they enter uh, abortion clinics in Ealing. And actually, I think this is is so important um, in terms of the victory that it's had. It's the first of its kind that's ever happened in the UK um, in terms of a decision being made. And it's all about protecting women who are often at one of the most vulnerable situations they will ever face. Um, And it's not about prevention of freedom of speech, which were lots of the arguments that people had against it. It's it's about protecting women from being harassed, intimidated and bullied um, as they go into these clinics. So um, after a fantastic campaign, the council, the issue was brought to the council uh, and the council took the decision to, to stop that. And what's amazing, so it's, I mean, we keep saying on this podcast and other things that Progress does that local governments can lead the way to mm. inform what a future Labour government could, should uh, and would go on to do. And literally, they're trying to see that through. So the councillors proposed this. So I think it came from a backbench councillor, taken up by the, uh, the health lead, adopted by the full council. And then Rupert Huck, who's their member of parliament, is trying to get either a 10-minute rule bill through or a private members yeah. bill to then enforce yeah. it nationally. That is literally how we want to do things as progressives. Make it work locally, scale it up nationally. Also, I think I think it's bigger than any one decision because mm. what I really worry about in the kind of post-Brexit environment is that somehow, if you look at the the motivations of people who voted Leave, not and not completely, but the the research says that basically people shared a kind of value set that was very much anti-progressive. Yeah, and specifically, you know, when asked if people felt like feminism had been a good thing for the country a lot of Leave voters were saying, no, it hadn't. Mm. Now, obviously, we've got an argument to win there. But what these campaigns demonstrate, both Stella's and Ealing, from the point of view of the council and also Rupert Hook in Parliament, what those campaigns demonstrate is that the way that you make the argument anew about feminism and women's rights is to keep fighting and to, to identify those areas where people who want to turn the clock back are encroaching um, into the kind of public space and to take them on. And absolutely. And lots of the kind of anti 
uh, choice campaigning that we've seen over the last kind of 10 years or so in the UK. A lot of this has come from techniques and organizations that have come over from certain parts of America where it's a lot more popular to be able to do that. And I think, you know, if you look at the the issues after Brexit in terms of rising hate crime um, and also then in terms of what we're seeing with some of the equality decisions that have been made around the world this year, the kind of thin level of equality uh, wins that we have had previously very much need to be protected as well as enhanced as well. One of the things you can't really talk about 2017 without ignoring is obviously the Me Too movement. That has to be recognised as, as an astonishing thing that happened this year. And in, in over here, obviously, it was enormous after starting in America, but also within our own party, the Labour 2 network of women who got together to try and shed a light on actually harassment and abuse in our own party on our own doorstep, I think has been phenomenal. And, you know, people like Bex Bailey, who's obviously a great centre-left Labour activist um, who talked about her own experience in the party and was awarded a kind of joint person of the year by Time magazine, along with Jane Merrick, who is a brilliant progressive journalist. And her own experiences of Westminster um, have been something really worth uh, thinking about, I think, as it comes to the end of the year, because it's still something that needs so much to be done to work on and I, and think- I think that basically what that represents is young women having their say because whilst you know women get jeered at in the street and get harassed and called all kinds of names and get unsolicited comments and views and whatever else I think what was striking to me was that um for example uh, Bex who was just absolutely brilliant and you know so very brave to talk in the way that she did it's women who are at the beginning of their career. And that's what makes people vulnerable is the fact that they are, A, they've got a disadvantage, especially in politics, a very strong disadvantage uh, of being a woman. And also they're young and they're at the beginning and that makes it really hard. So I think that, um, of course, the Me Too movement generally and what the activists who put together Labour to did, hopefully that changes things in a practical sense. But again, I come back to this idea of like, but also we're pushing back on the space that's available to um, conservatives and opening up the space that's available for people who normally don't get a fair crack of the whip. And that's and that's young women more than any, anybody else. And I think lots of the women's PLP did really great to help those women have a platform to say these things. But I think nobody did it like Jess Phillips. I oh, think my goodness. She's so She goes amazing. above and beyond. And, you know, the first thing that happens when a woman speaks out about something like this is the doubt kicks in will i be believed etc did it even really happen it's almost it's, it's that existential and jess has just been a stalwart throughout all i don't know how she emotionally coped with it she seems to be a one woman referral system for colleagues party members but also random members of the public and i just think she has been phenomenal and as somebody who just, just her the fact that she listens and is prepared to kind of then echo that back to other people means she is a progressive that got stuff done in 2017. She is. So she's the chair of the women's PLP, which might sound like a techie uh, Westminster thing, but I think Jess has made that role her own. You know, she really has, she's the de facto leader of the women MPs because she's chair of the women's PLP. And that doesn't just mean chairing the meetings. I mean, she's like marshalling our collective response to things, which means that doesn't matter what your politics is within the Labour Party. You know, you might be... Uh, for or against, you know, a reform of energy policy or whatever else. But 
she marshals a collective response from the women's PLP and that's what makes us strong. And I think that was what was so powerful about the the Me Too and Labour 2 stuff was it was that collective response more than anything else that I've seen um, over the last couple of years. It was such a powerful thing from women to stand up and say. It is worth remembering though that Labour's changes, while there has been some, they are still deeply insufficient to the challenge and yep. there seems to be a sense that because there's been a lot of hot air there's therefore been a lot of action and I don't think that's true and I don't think we should give up on this campaign or, or have a sense that it's done um, and I'm afraid we're gonna have to still do it in 2018. Well I don't think we will be giving up because I don't think Jess would let us. True, But it is a mate the forces of conservatism within our own party which are of no wing or political persuasion this is not a factual point at all but there is some complacency against making those changes most definitely i have a progressive of the year and i'm going to pick the labor group in liverpool they have done something quite remarkable with health and social care so um local government has a greater role in health scrutiny now but paul brandt who's on our strategy board working with the uh the, the mayor of liverpool obviously joe anderson have been working with their local nhs to provide a kind of interim health and social care provision which is where people who finish their treatment at hospital but aren't ready to go home go into council owned but nhs funded centers that are kind of intermediary between a hospital and a kind of full-on permanent care home and what they are finding is that it is publicly owned so no 15-minute visits no kind of outrageous practices towards the people who work in the sector cheaper from the nhs than being in a hospital by a country mile uh, require much less social care once they're through that system uh, and therefore cheaper for the council in the long run and it is a innovative new form of public service that is coming about being trialed by Labour Council and if the Tories were even vaguely attempting to be a competent government this is something that for their own reasons of cost as well as for social justice outcomes they would be stealing it and copying it and for, the for, the, for the care geeks amongst us this problem of intermediate care or some people call it step down care because okay. I did like step down from a hospital mm-hmm. um, this intermediate care point is basically a massive problem so like there's loads and loads of care companies out there some good some terrible uh, so you can broadly with a bit of difficulty but you can broadly arrange people care in their home um, although you you know the quality of staff will be quite variable because in a low pay industry it's hard to get people with the right skills but the but the big problem that we have is intermediate care and and that's getting people out of hospital in the first place so one of the big reasons why our A&Es are backed up is because people arrive at A&E and if they need to be admitted to a hospital we have a shortage of beds not because we have a shortage of beds but because of this lack of intermediate mm, care yeah. so well done Liverpool another Labour Council pioneering yay the Scousers yay. Alison you had some good news from across the pond oh Alabama Come on, Alabama. Sweet home, Alabama. I knew that you'd do Exactly. (laughs) Couldn't have sung it better myself there, Richard. You know, I think a a lot of uh, the people that I know that are both watchers of American um, politics and, you know, who are, or who are American, had basically, I think, steeled themselves in this special election in Alabama that basically... You know, uh, Roy Moore, who's been accused of some frankly terrible behaviour towards um, uh, teenagers, um, that he he was probably going to win because they just felt, you know, that everything that happened in the Trump election meant that there was nothing that was so bad that people wouldn't vote for a person. And to a certain extent, um, Doug Jones's is victory from from my reading of the numbers, you know, basically um, 
Republican supporters didn't turn out and um, and Democrats, particularly uh, people of colour, turned out massively. So so my my reading of that is that finally the like kind of disapproval ratings for Trump are feeding through. And whilst I know lots of people were really, really worried that this wouldn't happen and that that, you know, the the turnout would just be chronically bad and that that would mean that that he would get elected come what may i think this gives people real hope and um i mean i'm i'm not an expert in american politics at all um my dad's pretty obsessed with american politics especially at the moment and uh, <coughs> you know watches rachel maddow and gives me all the updates but anyway doug jones seems like a great bloke and so good luck to him hey and now, and now the big debate is uh, whether he's going to take his seat in time to vote against Trump's terrible tax proposals. So Rob Philpot, who's my predecessor as director of progress, he wrote the last word column just for Christmas, and he wrote a really good piece about how it's actually the start of the end for Steve Bannon, hopefully, because he had yeah. every opportunity they had to get rid of Roy Moore as a candidate. He dug down deeper and basically yeah. made sure he was, and of course he has cause this terrible loss uh, for them in the Senate, which might mean that yeah. key Trump things get lost. So that, nah. this, this is absolutely right. And, and you know, a lot of people back this guy. Um, so, to be fair, some Republicans didn't. Yeah. And, you know, even backed uh, uh, Doug Jones. But, but I think that is true, that actually it will also be the comeuppance of those people who supported... Uh, Roy Moore, like even given everything and given all the evidence and given what was said, they would kind of like stuck with him. Well, you know, the public will make their own judgment. Yeah. So I've got one on a kind of similar note because, frankly, internationally, it feels a lot over the past couple of years that there has been a movement towards totalitarianism, authoritarianism, and especially the far right. Um, and that really came to a kind of head this year in France. And I was actually in France for a few days on a short holiday between the first and second rounds of the presidential contest out there. And it was fascinating to see um, a presidential election up so close. Um, there was, they have such a culture of um, sticking streets, uh, sticking posters in the streets uh, and then um, graffitiing over them. So one of Marine Le Pen's uh, posters had uh, Le Choice France on it, which... It's definitely the correct pronunciation, don't is worry. It, is it kind of? <laughs> but, um, which was her slogan, which means the French choice. But there was one outside the Airbnb that was staying where the F had been coloured in. So it said Le Choice Rance, which essentially translates very roughly as the rancid choice. Yeah, very which, good. <laughs> very good. Um, Top but, work, French graffitiers. Yeah. But obviously Emmanuel Macron beating uh, Le Pen so comprehensively in the second round was something that was... Um, really really welcome news and obviously we can um absolutely argue over how progressive exactly emmanuel macron oh but is. come on i mean i know and he like you know he's he's not a socialist he's not of our sister party they created this their own party to do this uh thing but i cannot regret a racist not being the french president and there was two racist options because it wasn't just le pen the, the the mainstream conservative candidate for the republican party is to the right of Trump in that sense. He, right. he made Margaret Thatcher look and they like... Are, uh, and they are doubling down on that now as well with their um, new elections for who should be the leader for the next few years. Uh, they have seen the rise of Marine Le Pen 
as being what they need to emulate rather than really? the rise of Macron. Yeah, um, and, and, and also, you know, through this whole Brexit thing, you hear Macron talk about, you know, scientists from the UK going to France and everything. And like, I don't want anybody to leave the UK, even, you know, Brexit come what may. I think, you know, all of our uh, people of talent should stay here. But it does, it does demonstrate that people... People are watching what's going on in our culture and thinking, hang on, you know, is is this going to be an inclusive Britain? And I, I don't blame Macron for sort of trying to demonstrate their French culture at its very best. I mean, they have their own issues and problems like we do, but French culture at its very best is accepting and is inclusive and... Uh, that he wants to be a leader for that in the world. And, you know, whether it's like Syria and the Middle East or, you know, um, whether it's kind of the big questions of climate change or that kind of thing, I think having somebody on the world stage who's in some sense, though not perfect, has progressive values. I think that's a really, and really good thing. Also, just because we are going to be leaving the European Union at some point in the next couple of years doesn't mean that we shouldn't want the European Union to work in the best, best way possible. Hopefully, that- hopefully with us. I mean, you know, we can't, we might be able to exit the European Union, but we have no exit strategy for the globe. Yes. Like, we're still going to need partners. Um, and hopefully at some point we'll be led by a progressive in 10 Downing Street who can work with progressives around the world. But at a time when there is uncertainty in Germany and people are falling away from trying to be leaders on the world stage, actually, here is someone who does have uh, a bit of ambition to do that and does have real radical ideas for reforming the EU, which is what we were all talking about in the run-up to the referendum a couple yeah. of years ago. And Macron's reforms are not based on knee-jerk federalism, which frankly a lot of progressive and social democrats uh, believe in in Europe and I think is not the right way to go. It's actually about something that's quite new uh, and I think that should be quite exciting over the next few years. We should we should do a we should do a progressive Britain podcast about Macron. I think maybe. that's Really good idea. The um, my next progressive of the year is Marlon Solomon. So people might have heard of him; they might not have done. We did an event with him at Labour Party conference. He is he calls himself a Jew-ish activist who was somebody who lived in Manchester. Not really kind of particularly important his cultural uh, background until he found essentially on his doorstep in Manchester. Uh, David Icke operating the conspiracy theorist um, who believes that lizards control the world, who has a particularly obnoxious um, and racist um, uh, uh, show that he does to thousands of people pay £60 a ticket or something, where he talks about the network of uh, of Rothschild Zionists, which is just another way of saying Jews, really, um, that run the planet. And he has been going around campaigning, getting these cancelled. And he recently involved Kate Green, his, uh, the wonderful member of parliament up in Greater Manchester, and they got them cancelled by Manchester United, where he just happened to book one of these. And they're happening all over... Um, the country and and David Icke really is an objectionable uh, guy. He has a particularly unpleasant radio station, which sadly some people in our party occasionally frequent. Uh, but he has been doing a brilliant job at closing down uh, that 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 person using the power of civil society. So he is uh, my direct activist of the year. And I think what what people don't necessarily realise is and the conversation within about anti-Semitism, you know, in the country and and, and in our party. Um, has demonstrated to me is that like the the conspiracy theory nature of it mm. makes people listen because they think oh yeah but they don't realize that they're just hearing 
racism and anti-Semitism yeah. being sold to them in a different way. Like everybody can recognize a kind of, stereo, you know, a member of the EDL marching down their yeah. high street. Everybody recognizes that and goes, oh, that's really awful. That's not us. But when it's somebody who's apparently clever and who's telling this apparently, you know, yeah. fact-rich story. You've got a PowerPoint and a book with the ISBN number. How exactly. Could you not be like exactly. A... Then, then it's somehow harder to see this mm. for what it very much is, which is, you know, one of the oldest forms of abuse known to man, really. So I think that's a great bit of activism and really shows how just sometimes with like just one particular campaign over a specific event, you can make a massive difference. It also leads very nicely into uh, my next progressive of the year, which was uh, JLM, uh, which is the Jewish labor movement, uh, if you've not heard of it before. Uh, and this year, actually, was the first time I was a delegate at party conference. So I'd been many times before um, as a volunteer for different organizations and helping out, but I'd never been a delegate. Um, and I was sat there as the delegate for LGBT labor um, as the discussion about uh, the rule change that JLM had brought forward for the second year in a row um, to basically make the party rules much stronger um, for people who are uh, anti-Semitic, homophobic, misogynistic, racist. Um, and currently it was much easier to be able to um, kick someone out of the party for running against us in an election for if they stood up and, and made uh, an anti-Semitic comment on stage at Labour Party conference. So it was a fantastic rule change. And actually, the amount of abuse that their members had to put up with in terms of asking for this and calling for this, um, and the amount of campaigning that they did to get people to really understand the level of kind of, you know, vile abuse that they, they have uh, had to put up with. Um, but it was just, it was, it was genuinely one of the proudest moments I had at conference this year um, when it passed absolutely overwhelmingly with over 90% of the vote of conference floor. Um, because everybody just, I think, understood that we could just do a little more, right? I mean, yeah. in the end, there was, it was, it was a little bit of a bumpy road, mm -hmm. um, but in the end... I mean, there was anti-Semitism directly on conference floor. There was. Well, it's just horrific, isn't it, when yeah. that happens? But I think the point is that actually all the delegates really understood yeah. that this was this was a means to make sure that we were absolutely clear. Yeah. Like if you express racist views of any description in our party, you cannot be in the Labour Party. Exactly. And we're the Labour Party. We're, we are the party of equality, if you look at us compared to any other. But we always need to be doing better. And I think that was what was fantastic about it was it was a, it was great to see an affiliate kind of hold the party to account in terms of what they can be doing, but doing it in a very supportive way, in a way that was coming up with, you know, we want to help, we want to make this better, we want to stop this situation happening so more people can be involved in our politics on a national level. Um, so, yeah, they're my absolute superstars of party conference, for sure. I've got another one. Um, Seema Hotra wrote a wonderful piece for us about some work that she's putting together in her borough based on a programme of work by Colin Powell, actually, in America. And it's called Hounslow Promise. And it is trying to stop the stalling social mobility in her borough. That is very evident. And she has got schools and head teachers to come together, uh, drawn down some funding. And she is starting a kind of incubator organisation to really uh, deliver for the young people in a 
what is sometimes the poorest parts of uh, London and to give them a really great opportunity. So somebody as a member of parliament using their kind of power to convene, which I know, Alison, you and your colleagues do very, very regularly. And in this sense, one of those intractable issues that feels very difficult, that on a big scale feels like is stalling in our country. And Alan Milburn kind of came to the conclusion that he was fed up of writing reports about it with a government that wasn't prepared to implement any of them. So I think that considering how you know you are swimming up tide on that issue to try that, I think that's kudos to Seema. And I think it, this is what the next couple of years are going to be about. I mean, who knows when the general election might come soon, hopefully. But but whilst we wrestle with Brexit here, that can't be the only thing we do. Because to be honest, I still think leaving the European Union is not the best course of action for Britain. So we're in damage limitation territory, mm. really. So meanwhile, we need to keep body and soul together and do practical things that are really going to help people. And SEMA demonstrates that in buckets. A controversial end there, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's it from us today. And Progress loving. That's it from us. And for 2017, thanks for joining us on Progressive Britain. We hope that you're enjoying listening as much as we enjoy making it. But do let us know what you like about the show and what you don't for the new year. We'll be back with a new episode on Tuesday, the 2nd of January. And get in touch in the meantime by emailing us at office at progressonline.org.uk or tweeting at Progress Online, at Connor Pope, at Alison underscore McGovern, at Richard Angel and at Stephanie Lloyd Warren. And as always, subscribe, rate and leave a review on iTunes. Happy New Year. You've been listening to the Progressive Britain podcast with Connor Pope and Richard Angel. The music is When in the West by Blue Dot Sessions, licensed under Creative Commons, and this episode was produced by Carolyn Crampton. Mm -hmm.